Hey everybody, Mike R. here from Hashtag 59. Excited to share with you our new podcast. It is Asia version 1.0. After all, it's a huge continent with dozens of countries and there's so many outdoor adventures that await. We have two special guests, both of which have what I would consider a really unique glimpse and point of view into their adventures in Asia. Jeff and Chelsea are joining the show with Amy and I. It's a great chat. It should give you tons of great ideas for where you can go on your next trip to Asia, or if you've never been, I really think you'll be stoked to start that first journey. Come on the inside with us. Listen to the full episode. Glad you're here. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Mike R. here from Hashtag 59. As I mentioned, we are getting ready for another one of our Outdoor Adventure podcasts. Our location and recording sponsor of this podcast is Hopewell Works. It's a place that I'm a member at, and I'm actually here with Brian Z, who's been on the podcast before and is in charge of Hopewell Works. Brian, say hey and uh, tell us, why are you sponsoring the Hashtag 59 podcast? Well, it's definitely not just your good looks, Mike. We are glad to have you guys here. We love Hashtag 59. We love anyone that's rooted in the interest of exploration And we believe part of what we're doing is designing an experience here where you can expand your horizons, change your environment for your workday, for your friends, your meetups, your groups. So as you mentioned, Hopewell here, we run what we call like a student union for professionals. So if you want to come in and use our coffee cafe, we're open to the public. The membership unlocks high-speed Wi-Fi, private events, and some other spaces. So for us here, you know, it's all about trying to find people like connecting with themselves and with each other. Well, we love being here. All of our podcasts are recorded here. And how can people find out more information? Yeah, the internet is by by far the best place to look for us, hopewell.works. And you can also just shoot any one of us a message on any of the social media platforms and we'll get back to you. Wonderful. Let's head on into the inside of the Hashtag 59 podcast. Thanks, Brian. Hey, everybody. Mike and Amy back here for another edition of the Hashtag 59 podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Hashtag 59 podcast is a place that we discuss adventure in everyday places. And we are a community of outdoor and adventure travel advocates. And today we're going to be discussing a whole continent, the whole continent of Asia. If this one goes well, we'll probably have version 2.0 and 3.0. But we're going to start with 1.0 today. And we're super excited because we have two folks who have done some serious travel and living in Asia on this podcast. So I'd like to introduce Chelsea. Chelsea, say hello. Hi. (laughs) Welcome. And Jeff, my man, what's up, dude? Hey, what's going on, Rudd? Hanging. Well, we're pretty honored and, like I said earlier, uh, super stoked you guys could both be on here. So what we're going to do is, obviously, we're not going to be able to cover all of Asia in 40 minutes. But we want to give people some tastes, some new places to go, some ideas on that. So I think I want to start, and I'll open it up Let's, you know, to Jeff and Chelsea and their perspectives. There's seven continents on the planet. Asia's just one of them. Give us a sentence why someone should take their next trip to Asia. Go ahead, Chelsea. Loaded question. It's about the food. You know, I've, it's food scene which varies by country, is absolutely phenomenal. So I'm on the food train. Yeah, I'm with you on the food, but like Asia is just so diverse, you know, as far as the landforms, the climates, the cultures. I mean, there's something for everybody in Asia. 
I thought, for me, it's home to some of the most culturally rich countries in the world. And unlike a, you know, trip to Western Europe, it's somewhat affordable. Yeah, I haven't been there yet, but I was going to say the same thing. It's affordable, but then also the food looks amazing. I mean, when Chelsea was over there, she posted pictures all the time, and I was my mouth was drooling. So this is a good segue, I guess. We're going to start with Jeff, and he's going to tell this story, which I'm well familiar with, but the listeners might not be, of him and his wife Heather's story of Asia living in 180 seconds and how he might unfortunately have had the worst food scene in all of Asia. <laughs> but he still had an incredible experience. So Jeff, in two to three minutes, tell us a little bit about your guys' story and what you guys did and why you loved it. All right. So real quick, my wife and I are both international teachers. So we decided to head to the Philippines in 2012. I was thinking two years, five years later, two schools, two kids, and just loads of memories. Had to make that bitter, sweet decision to come back home. We lived in the Philippines for all five years. We lived in Subic Bay and then went to the uh, capital of Manila. Mike's kind of well aware. He's one, one of the guys who made it over there. Pretty hard to put into words, but, you know, just an amazing experience that changed our lives for the better. We got to travel all over Southeast Asia. I just can't say enough about how much we enjoyed it and how much it kind of enriched our lives. Did I get, come under two minutes there? I think you're good, man. That's awesome. And, you know, one thing I will say, like, it did go, I'm sure it went fast for you guys, too. It was fast for how long they were there. Five, six years sounds like a short amount of time. i kind of knocking myself in the head. I only went to see them once. I was once. just going to say, I'm surprised you only went there one time. I just, I don't know what happened. That's on me. Jeff, if you guys go back there, I'll make sure I come more often next time, all right? Have you seen Rudd's calendar? Like, he can't see <laughs> trips. Yeah, we talked about it in the last podcast. Yeah, we were kind of joking about that. Okay, so we have Jeff's and Heather's story, which I love. And Chelsea, I also, well, first of all, I love the pun of your blog name. <laughs> and why don't you share that with everybody and a little bit about your Asia experience. Yeah, so I traveled with my husband, Adam, last year for nine months. So we kind of decided to digital nomad lifestyle while working and traveling. We both have pretty good jobs here and we were able to make it work. So that kind of gave us the courage to try it. Asia was the last four months of our trip and without a doubt, probably the most anticipated. So unlike most places where we stayed four to five weeks, Asia, I feel like we had like ADD in Asia. Like we wanted to go to so many places. So we cut the time in half. We were in cities for about two weeks which definitely changed the feel and kind of the vibe of our time in Asia just because we had we were used to relaxing and taking our time and seeing what we wanted to see with no rush. And definitely the second we landed in Bali, it was like, it was like so exciting. Like it was definitely culture shock. Asia as a whole was just so different than either of us had ever traveled, a place we traveled to. So, I mean, I don't have any bad things to say about any place we went in Asia. It just made me kind of hungry to go again. And I know Adam feels the same way. Yeah, I mean, it definitely was the highlight of our nine months was just the second. It was like, How, what do we do here? Jeff, go ahead. Uh, hungry to go again. I mean, you're just kind of tying right into that podcast. Are we going to plug this thing, this blog? <laughs> yeah. yeah, what's the name of your blog too, Chelsea? Curry to Way Travel. I love so that. Her last name is Curry. Yes. So that's part of it. But it, yeah, it's a funny pun. Yeah, it is a very well, funny pun as well. My husband has like made it his life goal to learn how to make fantastic curry. So we also did eat curry in every single country we were in. In Asia, there just was, it was like, took it up 
five notches. We have a lot of learning to do still, but it was awesome. That's great. Jeff, we'll, once Heather writes a new blog on yours, we'll plug your guys' blog. I mean, it was from like 2015 was the last update. <laughs> Actually, I will say though, while it's not updated, if you do go back, we will link that. There is some really good stories in there and you guys had some really cool experiences. But yeah, she kind of forgot or she just lost. I guess those kids happened for you guys and blogging got put on the back burner. I mean, that was one of the first things to go along with and nightlife and all those other things. <laughs> All right. I want to hear a little bit more about some of your guys' trips. Amy's actually planning to go to Vietnam for a month, but other than that, you've not been to Asia, correct? No, I've not been to Asia, so I'm learning everything now. Excellent. Well, we got two experts here. I'm not really going to talk much about mine right now other than, you know, where have we been to in Asia? By the time this podcast comes out, I will have been to Japan. And outside of that, I've been to five islands in the Philippines, all with Jeff, who's on this podcast and to the city of Hong Kong, which I will say for big international cities in Asia, Hong Kong was a wonderful time and a really great experience. And it was a great for me, Chelsea, you mentioned it's a little bit of culture shock in Asia. I thought Hong Kong was a nice place to go for the first couple days to kind of get into the swing of things before we went on our adventures with Jeff and Heather in the Philippines. And let's start with Jeff. Where all did you guys go? You guys were there for six years. Can you rattle off some of the places, some of your favorite spots? So Sapa, Vietnam, do some hiking. We've been to Thailand three or four times. Chiang Mai, you know, up north is really our favorite place there. Cambodia, Laos, Indonesia, Taiwan, Japan, South Korea, Beijing. We've tried to hit most of them. You know. What was your favorite Favorite place, if you had to pick uh, one. I think, you know, our favorite place, you know, for the both of us was Taipei. Taiwan's just a, a beautiful country that's got, you know, very mountainous and, you know, huge gorges. And, you know, we had an Airbnb down in the city and just like, you know, really immersed ourselves in the, in the life of Taipei and just loved it. The food's amazing and the travel's super easy. People are super friendly. It was awesome. Nice. So speaking of Cambodia, actually, I have a friend who she got back from Cambodia three weeks there earlier this week. And she said she had such a good time. She almost stayed for another week. And I asked her if she was regretting that decision to not stay. And she said, no, this was on Wednesday. And since then, we've had three snowstorms. <laughs> and I saw her last night at yoga. And I said, so Cambodia. And she said, yes, total regret that I'm not there. <laughs> For another week. How was your experience in Cambodia? I mean, Angkor Wat's in Cambodia, that's pretty much the main reason we went there, was to check out uh, the ruins of Angkor Wat. Super, super cool place. It was nice to be, you know, kind of back out in the forest and in the trees and the leaves and all that stuff. You missed that being in an island country. But other than that, like, we weren't too huge fans of Cambodia, whereas, like, you get next door to Laos. Like, I don't know if it just fit us better, but we were the same way on Laos. Like, we were supposed to be there four days i think we wound up staying there like seven or eight just kind of bounced all over like we enjoyed laos a lot more than cambodia personally that's good perspective and good information chelsea we're all we'll have you on the uh, a different podcast to talk about your first five months of where <laughs> well, but for today's sake on talking about specifically asia where'd you guys go you mentioned same cities for two weeks what were some of those spots places that you loved places you recommend for other people to go to yeah, our first stop was uh, Indonesia. We went to Bali. 
we actually stayed in Bali for four weeks, four or five weeks. And that was really, I mean, we took like a day trip over to Java to hunt something called Blue Fire, which was very awesome. But what's that? Did you see it? Did we see it? We totally saw it. Yeah. And it was, it was outrageous. Yeah, we did it too. It was unbelievable. What is it? Never. It's Blue Fire. It's like burning sulfur. Oh. Um, but sorry, this is going to be a detour. But it's the night hike and it's like freezing. And, you know, you come from the beach, so you don't really probably dress appropriately. And you hike all night. You hike like two and a half hours. And then you hike down to find this booth. Like you're wearing gas masks. Like there's the sulfur is so strong. And it's a pretty strenuous steep hike. And once, like, you just never see anything like that. I really don't have words for it. It was so mesmerizing. And I have a, I have a video I can send you guys. It was awesome. So and that took us off the island of Bali. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, like, that strenuous hike. And then you see these guys doing it barefoot, carrying just, like, huge kilos of, like, sulfur on their backs. Like, it's like, like it's 150 kilos. It's an outer – doesn't make any sense. Wow. We're looking at your Instagram. We're looking at your Instagram handle right now. And somebody's, Jeff, is that the one that you went with? Did you take your sister on that one? Yeah. So my sister got a bum wheel on the way up. So she didn't get to make it down to see the blue fire, which – was a total bummer for her. It's a huge hit at the top because she was a white lady, and so everybody wanted the photos with her. But yeah. <laughs> we really missed out on the blue fire. It was amazing. Yeah. So that kind of kept us. We stayed on Bali most that time and went to different cities for some excursions. After Bali, we went to Vietnam. We spent about a month in Vietnam, but we split our time between Ho Chi Minh, Nha Trang, and Hanoi. And then we landed in Thailand and Koh Lanta. And then went north to Chiang Mai and just had a kind of a day to play in Bangkok as we flew out to Japan. So we were in Japan for three weeks, Thailand for four weeks, Vietnam for four weeks, and Bali for four weeks. I would love to spend four weeks in Bali. As a <laughs> yogi, Like that is like yeah. my jam right there. I feel like when you're in Bali, you feel like you're living in Instagram. Like, <laughs> you feel like you're in a feed. Like everywhere you look, it's... It's like, it's so strange. It's like a Disneyland, but everyone is just chilling on like bean bags. And it's very strange, but like so comforting to just lay there. And a lot of smoothies and granola. So many smoothie bowls. Yeah. I'm going to be moving, moving to this place. It sounds like. Strange rud. Yeah. That's right up my alley. That's, you know, speaking for mine, Jeff, you took us. We went to like three different islands in like one afternoon in the Philippines. And that's what I found really fascinating about the PI and just the fact it's over 7,000 islands and there is no, you know, there's no train station. There's no, like, the airports are not, I mean, it's, you're really like, it's really slow travel. And that's what I really liked about it. It, it allowed us as opposed to like you can bop over to Western Europe and it's like you're going from city to city to city to city because they have this great public transit. Even in Japan and Hong Kong, I would say that's the case. But like once we were there on the island of Bohol, I really enjoyed the slow travel we got to experience there for several days and then going to other small uninhabited islands that just allowed us to be able to really, I think, immerse ourselves in the culture. Yeah, I mean, that's what's nice about the Philippines is that it's not easy to get anywhere. But once you get there, like, you understand the struggle and, like, it just makes you appreciate it even more. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Because I will say that was part of the reason we did the layover to Hong Kong 
for a few days was just because we knew what else was coming in the travel, like ferry boat rides, another airplane ride, a two-hour private driver, Mario, taking, My us, guy. taking us across the island. So, But once you get there, yeah, there's there's something I appreciate about that type of travel to get to a place. Chelsea, when on your guys' travels, was there anywhere that was a little bit like that? It's like once you got there, it's like... This was hard, but like you really got to feel the gratitude for being there and really appreciate it. Oh, a lot of places. <laughs> you know, it's not Asia. It, getting to Georgia was complicated. So I don't know. I mean, I feel like we had some long, long trips with our bags to Japan that we kind of weren't anticipating. But we had a pretty smooth flight schedule and pretty minimal layover. So nothing too bad in Asia, I don't think. Except aside for when we didn't have a visa and we had to spend like seven hours at the airport. Oh, so. tell us about that, Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good that good story break. We're just idiots and read it wrong. Like the visa requirements was visa on arrival, and I just assumed that meant upon arrival. <laughs> I didn't know there was back work. So, oh, it, it was this in Vietnam. It was flying from Bali to Vietnam. Yeah, but then, you know, once I figured out oh, we don't have a visa and they wouldn't issue you a boarding pass. Like I booked my, then I had to kind of different ways to get a visa. There's like, I did one that's like two to four hours. So I did that. But then the visa people wouldn't give me a, uh, a visa without a ticket. And wouldn't give me a ticket without a visa. <laughs> it was, there was really no English with who I was working with. So for about an hour, I was really trying to stay cool and like, hey, guys, I need one of these things to get the other one. I don't care what comes first. <laughs> and we, we ended up getting it. It was probably one of the more frustrating moments of the trip just because I completely biffed having a visa. But we did get it and we made it. But that also caused us to overstay our visit in Bali by a day, technically. So we had to pay a fee. They charge per day. So we each ended up having to pay like 50 bucks Um because of that extra day as well. So oh my gosh. we made it and it made, you know, that first day even, even better. So you were so curried away with excitement that you forgot. Those puns, those puns came out a lot, but I suppose. <laughs> well, that's a good story. I think that's part of international travel and going all over the world. Those things just happen and you just have to work through those things. It's why a lot of people stay at home, I think. And I think Staying at home, though, doesn't allow you to experience all these different cultures and phenomenons that are occurring on this planet. I think I want to ask you guys, we can start with uh, Jeff and then go around uh, on our digital roundtable. What's different about Asia and what makes it special as a place to go visit? I mean, what makes Asia special is (laughs) that's hard to sum up, It's the food, it's the culture, it's the terrain, it's the people, you know. We study American history and we read these stories and we, we learn all about books and movies and like, but being from a small town, Iowa, like you don't know anything about it, go there and you experience it. And like that's the best thing about Asia is that you can go there and experience all these different cultures so easily and like everybody's welcoming and inviting to you. You know, the different landscapes, you know, Philippines has the most beautiful islands in the world. And, like, we went to Thailand. They were like, oh, you got to go to Phuket. Like, this is the most gorgeous. And, like, dude, Philippines has got, like, six of these. There's nobody on them. So, like, 
it's just unbelievable as far as the beautiful. I don't know how to say it. You know, she's so gorgeous. That's great. You know, Phuket, Thailand is a hot spot, mm-hmm. and I have no like I've had people go to other places in Asia, specifically in Thailand and the Philippines, and like they're like, yeah, Phuket's cool, but like there's blah 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 and blah blah blah, and I think it's not against. It's, that's not a slight to Phuket as much no. as there's so many other places like it. If you really seek them out. Well, and the fact that they're not as crowded and haven't been spoiled by the tourism and, you know, like when we went to, I went into the ocean in Bali and like my feet were just entangled with plastic. And like I was, I had envisions of like learning how to surf there. And like, I didn't want to be in that water because tourists had polluted the water so bad. Which is terrible. Really and you, Yeah, that's really sad. That part's not in the Instagram feed. <laughs> yeah. But that's what happens to places, and that's why I think sometimes, like, when you don't want places, you want places to, like, benefit from the tourism but not become over-inundated because of things like that. Chelsea, what do you think about it? What's special and unique to Asia and different? You know, I think right off the bat, at having never visited before, I was completely blown away by the kindness. As Americans, sometimes you, know, you don't know how you're going to be received, Especially, you know, with the climate we're at now. And people are so friendly. I mean, we didn't have like a negative people encounter almost our entire time. Like everyone was super willing to help us. Obviously, we don't expect them to speak English, but they would try to practice their English and we would try to learn some words. But, you know, it's definitely a lot more probably English based. But I think the generosity, the kindness, like it just felt very, very real. And you don't always... I mean, I live in the Midwest, so there are friendly people around a lot. But this is like a whole nother level of people who aren't well off that want to feed you dinner, you know, and want you to come over. And like, it's it's so humbling to see all these people that are so happy with where they are and just want you to really love their country the way they do. That's great. Yeah. I mean, aside from the people, it is really hard to put your finger on it. Everything to me was so different. Like, that's why I say culture shock, but not necessarily in a bad way. It just... Everything is different than it is in America. You know, like every experience, you know, every tradition, like you're so exposed to these cultural traditions that you just have no idea what they are, you know, and it makes you really, really aware and like respectful of maybe these cultures you had no idea what they were. Like some are very confusing, like there's a lot of ceremonies in Bali and, you know, it's easy to get frustrated because, oh, they shut the road today, you know, and we're going to Java. Like, what does that mean? But then you kind of, learn about it and people are really willing to kind of talk you through it what it is and yeah I just it's such a radical different and I think I just I was so intrigued so I was kind of living you know when you go to Europe you kind of know what to expect you can navigate a little more English is obviously a second language but in Asia I feel like I was in a constant state of like curiosity and I hadn't had that travel time that's great uh Amy what you know I know you haven't gone yet but what there's got to be something that intrigued you to want to go spend a month in Vietnam. Yes. So I think part of it's going to be obviously the culture, like Chelsea was just talking about. It's totally different from anything I've ever experienced. It's also really inexpensive, I would say. So that's kind of cool because you can get a lot. You can go somewhere for a month and really spend as much as maybe you would spend like in a week in like somewhere in Europe. She was the star of our budget travel podcast. (laughs) I mean, it's so true, though. Like, you can eat meals in Vietnam. You can get three squares for, like, four bucks. And we're talking real good food. For me, I think Asia was 
Oh, is that Ringo? Is that Ringo jumping in? That's I'm not so me. That's not... It's Chelsea. Oh, okay. <laughs> Ringo was in the Philippines. I'm which, so sorry. Prob- he lost his mind. That's all right. We love our four-legged friends here at Hashtag 59. That's probably, Jeff, a whole different podcast, just how you got your... Chelsea also adopted a dog. Oh, you're spoiling yeah. one of my one of my questions. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, we'll talk about the dogs, and we'll talk. I don't want to yeah. jump ahead on the dogs. For me, though, <laughs> I think Asia was uh, and still is. It's the mystery of the other side of the world to me. I think after doing significant travel in the states and Europe, like Europe's close, and even I'm going to South America this year. That's close. Mm-hmm. We're, I'm going to be in the same time zone in Peru as I am in Columbus. So I think for me, the whole Eastern way of the world, thought processes, medicine, I'm huge into Eastern medicine and how in which to me, it's 10 times as old as American and Western medicine. And depending on the situation can be 10 times as effective. And I think that's just, it's fascinating to me. And that's what lures me back to Asia again and again and again. Yeah, I mean, they must be doing something right over there. I mean, they're all living to 130. <laughs> and they look fantastic. Yeah. yeah just, you could never guess somebody in Asia's age. Like, it's the worst game ever. <laughs> Until we move in with the McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. Keep it away. <laughs> so, Jeff, I would actually, I'd love to hear, what's something about living there that you guys experienced that somebody from the States or Europe would never really know about. You could go either on the Philippines or the continent as a whole, however you'd like to share with that. Something that people wouldn't know. Well, I think, you know, like from the outside perspective, many people, number one, don't know the Philippines. And number two, only hear of like the dangers and how scary it is. And that's, I mean, that can be said for a lot of places in Asia as well, but it's not dangerous. Like, that's the one thing I would like everybody to know is that it's so safe to travel there. Like, there was at no point in time were we ever in any risk of any bad situation. I mean, other than crazy drivers, like, that's about as dangerous as it gets in the Philippines. And, you know, but those, they're everywhere. But, like, that would be my message is the Philippines is so safe and the people are so nice and welcoming. As can be said about a lot of the countries in Asia, like Chelsea said, but, you know, in particularly the Philippines, I think it gets a bad rap for being safe, and it's a great place to live and raise your kids and and all those things. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. It is funny because uh, we had a, what my wife, Jill, would consider a close encounter she thought was going to be happening when we were there. So we get picked up by Mario in Bohol with Jeff and Heather, and we're taking the couple hour like two hour like ride and all of a sudden mario he's stopping these places and he's confused and it's getting dark and then we're going down this long dirt road and jill's like oh my gosh like what's happening <laughs> like we're gonna get kidnapped because she has that like the american yeah. thought process well in asia and jeff and heather started to explain this to us is they don't really want to like admit it like they're lost mm-hmm. so mario just was lost and was stopping places because he didn't know where he was supposed to drop us off at. <laughs> so what would seem seedy was he was just actually trying to help mm. and just try to figure out where we were going. And the end of the dirt road was actually the place we were staying at. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Jeff, any, any additional thoughts on that from being there? Well, I, and I don't know why Jill was so scared. We had San Miguel's and we had breadsticks. I don't know what else. <laughs> yeah. But that, I mean, that goes to your point. There was nothing malicious happening. But like, because of that, we we're like in America, we think. It's, I mean, in America, it is dangerous. Like I often say to people, 
that I think uh, America is more dangerous of a country than, you know, Asia, certainly, and like other countries that I go, I think it's safer to travel internationally, personally, but... Uh, I completely agree with you, man. I feel much safer over there than I do back here. So that's a great takeaway. Chelsea, what's something for you guys extremely beneficial from not just going to Asia, but the way in which you guys went, you guys went in what I would consider slow travel mode. Mm -hmm. And what enables you, what happens as a result of slow travel? Instead of going, let's say, once a year for three weeks, going like you guys did for several months. You know, I have never slow traveled before this nine months trip. And I never almost want to travel another way. You know, it Mm. instead of observing culture, you experience it. Like, there's like a week threshold where you cross that line, depending on what you do. So obviously we were working and trying to create, you know, our real life. So we joined a gym, we joined a co-working space, we went to the coffee shop around the corner, you know. So because of that routine, you start to see the same people. So around, you know, three weeks to four weeks, people start asking you questions. You know, they're like, I've seen you've been here a while. Like, are you, are you new? Did you move? And then from like four to five weeks, like you almost start hanging out like as like you kind of get this group of friends. So after that, like, obviously we left, but if I could do it again, I would probably spend, you know, at least two months in each place because that is kind of the goal that you want, uh, that we want when we travel. Like we want to eat what local people eat. We want to go where local people go. We want like actually live in a different culture and not just observe it and, you know, eat the same food that we would eat at home or at the same times or, you know, with a fork, like slow travel kind of enables you to really dig your teeth in if you want. And I wouldn't say you feel the pain that the local people do, but you get the taste of, I don't know, real life, you know, like there were a couple power outages in Bali. And if we were in a hotel, we would have never felt that pain because, you know, I'm sure they have generators and the food would have still been hot and the showers would have been hot, but we were at, you know, someone's house. We were at an Airbnb and no power meant no power. So it was like, where do we go? What do we do? Like, and we met people when we were just out and about because oh, there's no power. You don't want power. So it definitely is a different perspective that I like. I always want to go a little bit deeper when we're on vacations and slow travel. Just it opens up so many more doors than I think you even could have in your head. You know, like this will happen. This will happen. But it will be completely different. So for me, it's it's the people kind of connection at that level. I love that. And not to jump off of Asia here, but I just I think the what you just said can be applied anywhere you go mm-hmm. in in immersing yourself in the culture and eat where the locals eat. My wife had a work conference in San Antonio that I went along to. So we were staying at this like hotel, you know, in convention mm-hmm. row and where you don't want to be. Where you don't want to. So I was like the river walk. I've heard so many beautiful things about the river walk and this is not like what I thought. There's like a Dick's Den and a Hooters. Well, so I took I took an afternoon and then I found this neighborhood that was just unbelievable. And then I joined for four days like the yoga studio. And then I went to the coffee shop every day. And all of a sudden, like three days in, I was like waving to people at the yoga studio. And like the coffee shop lady recognized me. That's three days just to go a little off the beaten path. It just shows how fast that can happen if you truly choose to immerse yourself and no offense to like the starbucks at the hyatt that we were staying at but like it would my experience would have been completely different if i hadn't ventured off every day the way i did and you you know you really gotta like fight yourself to do it you know we're as humans a lot of us are creatures of habit and 
you know, you like things your way, you're used to like your normals already formed. So you really have to make it, you know, a point to go outside of your comfort zone to say, oh, my God, Starbucks, let's find a local place like or, oh, my God, I'm craving like this food. Well, let's not do like it's such a fight on your impulse, I think, to really to achieve that. Like you don't just go in with that mindset. Like it takes some practice your routine to do yeah that. and that's and that was the nice yeah. thing about you know living there is that you kind of fought learned how to fight those urges early on like at first you gave them to them you're like well no i want pizza right now so i'm gonna have pizza <laughs> and, and i'm like why are you eating pizza in bali but over time you can fight against those urges right like it almost becomes routine and like it's amazing what becoming a regular or becoming known does mm-hmm. inside you know like seeing people you know and being recognized as people like we want that and you know getting off the beat going to local places allows that to happen more freely right yeah and you start to make substitutions in your own life so like this is a stupid example but they really didn't have a lot of dairy in asia so coffee because it was like really painful to order it they were just giving me coconut milk and I never want, like, now I'm off dairy, and I prefer coconut milk on everything. I prefer to cook with it. I like in my coffee. Like, it has made now, and then, granted, that's a small a small example, but now I don't even want milk, you know, and I would have never been forced to give, like, cream in my coffee up if it wasn't for them just having it or not understanding what I wanted. Little little sidebar as a cook, coconut milk is a secret ingredient to so many amazing yeah. things. Like, God's gift to the earth. I, I literally use it in my, right now. I use it for so many different things. Jeff, so I think to Chelsea's point a little bit about, you know, it would have been very, I think it would have been very easy for you guys to not go live there. It's easy for nobody, it's easy for anybody to never travel. Get on to Asia, especially from America or Europe's not easy. Like booking that trip, we're actually going to Japan and coming back the day before I have like a weekend long yoga teacher training that would have been very easy to say no we'll just go to you know somewhere closer instead but we're not you know for you guys how was that decision to go and was it uncomfortable and you know what was your whole thought process as a result of like you know going and what you got from it i mean we were at an international teaching job fair so we had offers you know kind of all over the globe there's like nicaragua Costa Rica, South Korea, the Philippines. And it's like, you know, my wife wasn't really big on being stuck on an island. And, you know, so we kind of did a little bit more research about the Philippines. And it was kind of like, you know, it's a dream job for me. I was going to be able to teach PE. And, like, what gig is any better than teaching PE in the Philippines? Yeah. Little, no, I'm sweating through four shirts a day, but that's a different podcast on hygiene. Um, <laughs> So, like, we were like, you know, we'll never in our lives again have the chance probably to go this far away. So if we go the furthest away possible, then anywhere we go to next will be closer, and our parents can't complain, mainly my parents, <laughs> mainly parents, heroes in particularly. But, like, having that experience for five years is, like, I, I can't say enough about it and how much it's, it's changed the both of us as far as perspective and we are and and things we enjoy and you know having been back here for you know five months now uh, I really miss it like I'm ready to get back out there I'm I'm all about you know finding as as many cultures and different places as we can go and just 
like we said, totally immersing yourself in that and, and living it and being a part of it. So like that's a fuel inside of me now that really wasn't as strong or, or there before. Well, and I, and I think for everybody too, going to Asia, especially, I mean, for this part of the world, if you live in Asia, coming to America would be once you, if you travel out of the region, the country you live in, all of a sudden going to California is a lot easier once you've gone to Europe. Going to Europe's a lot easier once you've gone to South America. Going right. to South America is a lot easier once you've gone to Asia. And you keep building on that. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, like, because I, the thing I run into with people who don't travel around the world is like they view travel as this like burdensome, cumbersome activity because Which they're, it can be, it can be because if you act like it is. Yeah. <laughs> but also, I think if you, if you've only traveled for like three hours in the airport ever, then all of a sudden you try to go to Asia and it's like a 24-hour travel day, that probably would seem pretty annoying to you. So I think my whole point, though, is like once you go far, like nothing else seems as far. Once well, you go that's right, because away. like you don't know pain until you've sat in an airport for 13 hours or sat in a plane for 14 hours, you know? Like then come talk to me with, you know, two twins screaming on your lap and throwing up. Like you haven't been through anything. <laughs> That is one fun fact about Jeff and Heather. They had their twin boys in the Philippines, so the boys, they have traveled back and forth with them. So that kind of debunks the whole you can't travel anywhere with children. They also had their dog Ringo over there. So I think Ringo he's... was way better to fly with than the kids, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so let's go back, Chelsea. Uh, you know, you were there for a long time. Where did you not get to go in Asia that you really wanted to go? And then we can go to Jeff. I'll let Amy throw in some places outside of Vietnam she wants to go to and myself. Oh, a lot. You know, we on this trip, we didn't really plan every stop. So like Bali, we weren't even Bali when we set out on our nine months. And we substituted it for Croatia. So that was like a, a really cool, unexpected one. And we also weren't planning on going to Japan. So... We were a lot more flexible with where we were going, and we kept thinking we'd be able to hit the Philippines. We met some people from the Philippines on our travels that we were like, if we go, man, we already have a place to stay. These people offered to like let us stay at their house. I am a beach person through and throughout, so I'm really attracted to kind of the non-built-up islands, and like I just can't get bored. Like if there's an ocean, like I'm I'm pretty content. So I think my husband would also probably say the Philippines. There were some discussion about Myanmar, but, you know, to maintain kind of goals with the travel and the slow travel, I just, we just couldn't jam it all in. Um, and we didn't want to. So I would say probably those two. I mean, I have a lot of interest in Nepal, but we'll see. I swear the next place we go will be Asia. So it's just, it's so different. Like it's hard to pick one place because they are, they all have their own, you know, kind of unique identity. And I don't think I knew that. I kind of all lumped them together in my head before visiting. And then even Vietnam and Thailand, I'm like, these are way different. You know, the cuisine is way different. The people are different. So, I mean, I want to go everywhere. <laughs> Not probably the best answer, but I'll probably throw a dart in Asia map and let it tell me where to go. Nice. I love that. <laughs> we just discussed the last podcast we were recording today was 52 places in 2019 list. And they're like, where do you want to go the most on? And I'm like, anywhere. Any of the 52 is fine. Jeff, where, you know, you guys explored, uh, where's somewhere you didn't get to go to that you want to go back? I mean, I'd like to spend more time in a lot of these places, but the places that, you know, we didn't get to for me would definitely be like Nepal and the Maldives. Those are two pretty high on my list 
There's also some crazy cool like rainbow colored fields in China, but I'm I was in Beijing for a basketball tournament, and I would have liked to have seen the wall and maybe taken some of those fields. But Nepal and the Maldives are, are top of my list. Nice. Amy, what about you? We already know I want to go to Vietnam. Yep. We're- um, but other than that, I think when I was kind of researching this, the Philippines was starting to stand out to me just because there's so many islands. And I didn't, I don't think I realized that until I was kind of like looking at everything. I think it'd be really cool to take like a boat trip, honestly, in the Philippines. So yeah. And then also um, South Korea. Nice. It would be fun. I took a, we took, Jeff Jeff and Heather took, a, for my 32nd birthday, we took an all-day boat trip to three different islands in the Philippines. Fine. Had a birthday cake and a lot of San Miguel's and a lot of uh, awesome snorkeling that day. So I think where I'd like to go, uh, India obviously jumps out to me, specifically some of the, the ashrams there. And then definitely a trekking journey, which I guess actually I'm jumping ahead to my last question for everybody, but... My next pick on the all-guys trip will be a trekking trip through Nepal that also results in being a base camp in Mount Everest. Oh, yeah. So, You've talked about that before. Yeah, yeah. Really, really at the top of my list. So let's share. What about, you know, Jeff and Chelsea, you guys have had extensive. It's hard to pick one, but tell, we'll start with Chelsea, a random or funny story beyond, maybe this is your Vietnam story again, Chelsea. Something happened in Asia that is really unique and kind of random or funny. Yeah, the cat's out of the bag, or the dog. We were in Thailand, and there's a humane or an animal welfare group that their marketing staff are geniuses because they made these posters and hung them all over the island that said, you know, on holiday, miss your pet, come walk ours. And unlike, you know, American humane societies, that they're not really picky about like the formality of walking, like you just go in during the hours and you walk them because they have a lot of dogs. You know, they've really, the, the condition of the animals before they establish themselves was really awful on the Island and they go around sterilizing the animals. And so we obviously love dogs and, uh, would go every day and, and play with them, walk them. And then they did international adoptions. So like we'd be walking on the tour and they'd be like, Oh, He's going to Sweden. She's going to the UK. He's going to Australia. And I'm like, it's not hard to, to adopt internationally. You know, we've been talking about a second dog when we got back, but hadn't, you know, made any plans. And we met this little fur faced puppy, and he was rescued with five, and two ended up dying when they got there. And the other three, including him, had a really bad skin condition. They were dumped, and they kind of nursed them back to health. And his temperament was exactly, you know, kind of like our dog, a very chill dog, which is rare for a puppy in a shelter. And we just, we just fell in love with him. And we kind of asked him about adoption and the process. And, you know, we obviously were in Thailand, so we still had Vietnam, Japan, and then Hawaii ahead of us. So we couldn't take him home with us. And they kind of walked us through flight volunteers and options. So before we left, we signed the papers and he was supposed to arrive on Monday, but we just got an email this morning that his flight was canceled due to weather coming Aww. in. However, they think it will still be this week, so we're super impatient right now. And we have, you know, the new collar. We got this little cute elephant dog tag with his name on it, so we're so excited. But it was, you know, it was kind of random, but... <laughs> That's pretty random. That's good, though. <laughs> we ended up naming him Ty, free, in, in, in Ty. 
<laughs> That's great. So, and so it makes his name Ty Curry, which we love. I mean, it's so much. It's just like too adorable. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and, and you know what, Chelsea? I've I've walked dogs at um, shelters myself for several years, and it's always amazing that I don't come home with them. Uh, in Costa Rica, we were staying at a place that yeah. had the similar similar vibes to that, like the signage in their marketing. And I told my wife, I'm like, I can't wait till we go down to like Costa Rica for a month. She's like, what do you want to do there? I'm like, I just actually just want to walk dogs. <laughs> just yeah, volunteer that shelter. Yeah. Shelter, Jeff, what about you? So we were on our way to a uh, cooking class in Hanoi, and the cab, I'm like, jump in the cab. I'm like, hey, how are you? And he says, bad. All right. Not a very good sign. So cruising down this four crowded four-lane road, and there's this cop in the road that's like, basically signaling for our guy to pull over. And he basically puts himself in front of our car, except our cab driver doesn't stop. Like, he just keeps going. And, like, the cop, like, you can see his eyes just, like, get huge. And he's like, this dude's going to hit me. And so, luckily, cop backpedals, avoid, like, stiff arms the car. While he stiff arms the car, he swings down his nightclub and smokes the side of the mirror, breaks off the side of the mirror, and, like, our driver just smirks and keeps going. I'm like, <laughs> this is the day we all die in Vietnam. <laughs> so, you know, long story short, we get surrounded by, like, four cops on mopeds. You know, they're riding double on them, blowing their whistles and waving their <laughs> battalions at them. And so they pull them over, they take his license, and... But the weird thing is, is from there, like, let him take us. From where they stopped it, it was, like, three more blocks to our cooking class. He drove us there. Like, they took all of his credentials and whatnot and then, you know, let him drop us off. And then I don't know what happened to him. He, like, he could still be in jail to this day. I don't know. <laughs> At least you guys got to your cooking class. That was the big <laughs> you know. So I have one. We stayed at this at, uh, Jeff, what was the name of the first place we stayed at on Bohol? Do you remember? With Joanna? Do you remember Joanna? Oh, I remember Joanna. Okay, so Joanna was this lovely, she was like the GM, I guess, of the place. And one night, so the Philippines isn't known for like amazing food outside, like compared to most of Asia. And she's, we asked her what was on the menu that night, this beautiful place we were staying at. She said, Mike, I have a double-decker homemade burger it is i mean we make it from scratch it is my specialty she's like this is joanna's specialty and i have a photo i'll put in the show notes of me with her with the burger she brings out two frozen chicken bread breaded chicken breasts piled on top of each other with a bun and like a slice of american craft cheese on that's it. her that's her famous burger that was her famous homemade double-decker burger and i and you know Shame on me. I'm in the Philippines thinking, yeah, what am I ordering? <laughs> Little did you know, Mike, that that is a pretty good sandwich considering the Philippines. Like, <laughs> That's a pretty special burger, actually. Yeah, so that was, I'll never forget Joanna and her double-decker homemade burger. That was really just uh, something that probably McDonald's wouldn't even really serve here on their fried chicken sandwich. <laughs> so, uh, so we're going to get to... 
Where are you guys going next? Uh, Jeff, Chelsea, to a- in Asia or else where are you planning to travel to next and why? Start with Jeff. Uh, um, Jeff's not going on my trips that I invite him on. I'll, I'll say that first. I appreciate you dropping that. I knew that was going to come up at some point. <laughs> we'll probably keep it pretty local, you know, having just gotten back to the U.S. for the, you know, five, six months ago. We'll try to hit up some some national parks. We're going to hit up the some family in the southwest. My sister lives in Phoenix. And then I think next summer we'll be hitting up uh, Peru, hit up Machu Picchu, which you're hitting up this year. So it's going to be a year later and we can compare stories. That's great. The joke on Jeff was I did invite him to hike room to room of the Grand Canyon with me oh. and then Peru. And he said, man, I can't say no to the next thing. And it was the podcast. And he said, great, I'm back to the clean slate. <laughs> We know how that goes. You know, once you're outside the circle, you don't get back in. <laughs> Chelsea, what about you guys? Uh, you know, somehow we went from having like weddings to go to five years ago and having no weddings, and this year we have about five or six again. So, unfortunately, our travel is going to be a lot more domestic. However, I think we our next our next place will be South America for sure. I've been really working on my Spanish, and it's just. We would have fitted in this trip if we could have, but you know, I, I'm really interested in Argentina and Venezuela and it's doing this whole trip just in South America. Not that we will do it again the way it was because nine months is a lot, but probably a month or so maybe in South America. Nice. Yeah, that's great. I want to, before, we're going to jump, you guys ready for rapid fire questions? Yeah. Excellent. Before we do that, I want to give a shout out. Uh, Amy and I are recording this podcast at Hopewell Works. It's a wonderful student union for professionals here in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, They got the Yeti mic for us in the podcast room. They got drip coffee for the members. Uh, I've been a member here actually since uh, it started. And it's a great place. It's a welcoming place that supports the community. And we love having them uh, allow us to record all the sessions here. And uh, we appreciate them. So check out hopewell.works for more info. So, Amy, you want to do the rapid fires on this one? Yeah, how do you going to go? Let's go Chelsea, Jeff, Mike. Okay. Are you ready? Ready. Is this okay. like a one-word answer? Can we <laughs> here? That's funny. Yeah, we've been getting that. Uh, you can elaborate rapidly. How about that? Okay. okay, I got it. Okay, if you lived in Asia for a year, what which country would it be? So, go ahead, Chelsea. Thailand. Thailand. Boom. Are you done? Are you elaborating? I don't, should I, I mean, it's Thailand, it's probably... No, you're fine, you're fine. <laughs> okay, Taipei, small enough to explore, great location, great food, that's it. Ah, oh, you elaborated. <laughs> South, I'd go South Korea, we've had several friends live there, like Jeff and Howard did, uh, lived there. I have one friend lived there for 12 years, looks like a great place, and a great jumping off point to other places in Asia. Okay, oh, I guess I should answer too. Yeah. Mine's Vietnam, yeah. but yeah. that's because I haven't been there yet. So soon enough. All right. What's your favorite country not located in Asia? This is a tie, but if it had to edge out, it's South Africa and Georgia is second. Okay. I'm going to elaborate just a little. Yeah. So uh, South Africa is such a crazy, diverse landscape and the beaches and the hiking and the wine country are next to like, I don't know what you could compare them to. Um, So being able to just, you know, in 45 minutes, be at an incredible hike on a mountain Laying on the beach or in, you know, a Napa level wine uh, country is, it was so, so exciting. So 
South probably wins. Yeah. I'm going New Zealand. Never been there, but lots of people from the Philippines traveled there, and it just looks amazing. I'm going Costa Rica, Pura Vida, baby. Love that place. <laughs> Pura Vida. My pick is actually Ireland. Nice. I it's it was one of the only places I've been where I'm I got there and I was like, oh, this is like where I'm supposed to be. So excellent. <laughs> anyway, what's your favorite authentic Asian cuisine? You mean like a dish or from a country? I'd say dish. So Amy, perk your ears up. Uh, it's Boon Cha from Vietnam. Oh yeah, I did see that you you enjoyed Which, that. Yeah, so my husband and I really are we're Anthony Bourdain fans, and we watched his show for years and years. So a lot of the places we went were from his show, and uh, because of that, we found Buncha, and it's like this—it's like a soup, but you add your own noodles to it. They just bring you like a plate of greens, and they make this like meat patties, and like there's radish, and it's—it's it's like this sweet kind of vinegar broth. And I swear, it's my favorite dish in in the world. Like, I had never had anything like that. And we probably ate it 25 times. So, Buncha, Amy, eat it everywhere. Okay. I will. Did you have the pho while you were there? How does it compare to pho? Totally not pho. The broth is a lot more vinegar, sweet vinegar based. So, and you you constantly add in noodles, like, because they're on a plate. And you right. constantly, it's just it's two different animals. But I also enjoy pho. But I would say Buncha is way better for me. Okay. I'm going ramen. I would kill for some Japanese ramen right about now. No offense to Joanna's double-decker homemade burger, but I'm going to Tom Yum coconut soup. Sorry, Joanna. <laughs> I mean, I like anything with lemongrass in it, so I feel like that's You're going to have a lot of options. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I say, Vietnam's the place for you. Yeah. What's the most underrated place in Asia? I haven't been to that many places, but, you know, of where I've been, I would probably say... Kalanta, you know, it's a tiny island and there's so many islands to go to, but it's not really that commercialized yet. And there are often times where I was the only one on this like postcard beach. I can see some infrastructure going in. So I, you know, we were told it's going to be like Phuket, but it's, it's not on people's radar and it's, you know, it's a little complicated to get to from Krabi. You think you, know, you still have a two and a half hour taxi, but man, it's, it's just kind of fresh air down there. I'm going with the Philippines. There's too many places in the Philippines to pick just one, but like Southeast Asia, you need to hit up the Philippines. It's more fun there, right? That's right. That's that's a big tagline. It's more fun in the Philippines. I tried to find my shirt that has that, but then I realized this was a podcast, so it doesn't really matter. (laughs) Well, if you find it, send it. We'll put it in the show notes because we'll get a little image of that. Uh, I'm going Sri Lanka. I had several friends do put on yoga retreats in Sri Lanka. As a, I think everybody thinks of India for that, but uh, Sri Lanka looks amazing from their photos and experiences and promo videos. So Maybe this is a trick question, but how many islands are there in the Philippines? I totally cheated, but I'll tell you what my original guess was. 58. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you need to multiply that by a lot. So I won't, I won't say the real answer. I'll let the residents... <laughs> Oh, I don't have the right. I don't have the exact number, but it's over seven thousand one hundred. Yeah. So I thought this was the reason I put this in here was I looked and it said now there's seven thousand six hundred forty-one, but just recently it was seventy-one hundred. So somewhere in the last census, they added five hundred islands. Oh. Oh, I think the tide went down. Oh yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. 
That would do it. I mean, I definitely had over 7,000, but it was kind of a cheat because I was looking up things and then it said it. So. I, I just wanted to more put that out there that there's 7,000 islands That's in crazy. one country. You it's amazing. That. No, no, it's unbelievable. So I wonder how many there are in Indonesia, how it compares. Now we're leaving our listener. We'll put that in the show notes. How about that? I have no idea. I'm just going to say 2,000, but we'll find that answer out for Chelsea and put it in the show notes. <laughs> Chelsea, Jeff, thanks for tuning in and joining us today. You guys brought so many rich stories and experiences. It was awesome. So as for you listeners, thanks for tuning in to the Hashtag 59 podcast. Take part in our adventures at Hashtag59.com and all those appropriate social media outlets. And what are you doing if you haven't subscribed to the podcast on iTunes? If you do... Leave us a review. We'd be very much appreciative of that. Thanks so much for listening because adventure travel feeds the soul. Adios, amigos.